It's Friday, November 8, 2019. And from the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, this is Pennsylvania Legacies. I'm Josh Rollerson in Pittsburgh. Forest management, not a job for amateurs. Professional foresters receive years of scientific, technical, and field training. They then spend their entire careers building on that base of knowledge with the kind of insight and intuition that comes only from sustained daily experience. But in a state like Pennsylvania, where more than half of all land is forested, there simply aren't enough fully trained, credentialed, and seasoned forestry pros available to optimally manage every single acre of woodland. DCNR's Bureau of Forestry relies on government and nonprofit partners, private landowners, and citizens to carry some of the burden. That's why they work with Penn State Extension to train up and deputize volunteers, like PEC's Reforestation Program Manager, Laura England, who recently completed the Pennsylvania Forest Stewardship Program. It was a fantastic hands-on opportunity to kind of be a forester for a day. Ahead, we'll debrief with Laura about her experience, and we'll learn more about how community-based forest stewards work on behalf of the pros to help keep the woods in your backyard healthy. That's coming up on this episode. But first, a few words about another way that DCNR works with partners to get work done on the ground. That would be through the Conservation Landscapes Program. And if you're a regular listener to this show, you've heard us talk about Peck's role as external lead for two of the state's eight conservation landscapes. Those are the Pocono Forests and Waters up in northeastern Pennsylvania and the Laurel Highlands in the southwest. As it happens, the application period for Laurel Highlands mini-grants just opened, and PEC Program Manager Marla Meyer-Papernick is here to tell us a bit more about it. Hi, Marla. Hey, Josh. What is this program, how does it work, and what role does PEC play in executing it? This is a DCNR, Department of Conservation and Natural Resources, program where they award organizations like PEC to manage a grants program so that smaller organizations, nonprofits, municipalities, uh, counties can get some work done that, that matches up with the priorities of DCNR and their own organizations. So organizations that maybe lack the capacity to pursue larger funding opportunities, they just need a little, a few bucks for a project here or there. Often that's the case, or in in some cases they are larger organizations, but these are usually smaller, more discrete projects that can be supported with between one and $7,000. That's what we have available this year for each of our grants. So what are we talking about? What kinds of projects are these typically? The mission of the Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape is to promote and support land and water conservation and outdoor recreation as a tool for economic development. So we have six categories that we have created some broad goal statement for each of those categories that people can try to fit their projects into, and that includes trails, land conservation, water conservation, tourism and outdoor recreation, infrastructure, and communications. For infrastructure, we're looking at anything that would support the infrastructure of parks, trails, outdoor Like I want to put a bench along a trail somewhere or something like that. Perfect. Or a kiosk. 
or even doing connecting to, in some way to broadband or sewer infrastructure. Now, these are uh-huh. smaller grants, so that's a little bit more of a stretch. And then in communications, we're, we're thinking about how do you talk about your own work, connect other partners, share their, your story with them. It can include educating partners, perhaps on land conservation or stewardship. So you kind of get a sense of the, the range of possible applications for this funding. Are there any examples that come to mind when you think about projects that really go to the heart of what this program is trying to accomplish or projects that are just quirky or interesting in their own right? Yeah. So we had one group do what they called a turtle watch. They inventoried the native turtle species in their watershed so that they could use that data to inform future land conservation decisions. We've had people identify all the outdoor rec opportunities in their uh, region and then map that on a website so that people can get outdoors more easily. Uh, We've had people put kiosks up at trails. We've helped some projects become ADA compliant, whether it's a kayak launch or the grading of a trail. So that's very important. But we have purposely not made it so specific that only a few people can apply. We have purposely uh, left it open enough that your creativity and the needs of your organization will be the, the focus of your project. So the examples that we've been talking about are just to kind of get people's creative juices flowing, but they should not constrain the range of possible projects. I would say don't constrain, be creative, be brave. If you have any doubts, give me a call. I'll let you know if you're totally off course. But we are encouraging people to do the work that they need to do that fits in with the larger umbrella of the DCNR, Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape Goals. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the existence of this program will not be news to at least some of the people listening to this conversation. Maybe it will be new to others. But regardless, uh, just about everybody in our audience probably knows someone that would benefit from this information. Who are we encouraging to apply for a mini-grant? What kinds of entities should really go after something like this? That's a really good point because the people who are listening to this program are either engaged with smaller organizations, uh, sitting on the boards, managing them, or are members of watershed associations, land trusts, conservation districts, anyone that's trying to move a trail forward in some way and encourage people to get outdoors and get active All of those categories fit into the scope of this program. So even if you can't uh, apply, you don't think you have a project that fits with this program, I challenge you that you know someone who does. And I hope, I encourage you to share this information with them. We do have $20,000 more this year, so that gives us $70,000. I think we can really make an impact in these communities. What about the timing for all of this? When are these applications due? So we just opened up the grant process on November 4th, and they will be due December 13th at 7 p.m. That's a Friday. And we will be making the announcements in early April. And it is important to note that the projects should be completed by December 2020. So we've talked about what these grants are for, what kinds of applicants really should consider applying. And maybe if you're with a small organization, you haven't really considered you know, going after any real big funding opportunities, just because that may seem daunting, we make it a lot easier, right? That's kind of the role that PEC plays. We try to, to make everything as straightforward and simple as possible. That's kind of what you do this time of year, yes? That's the goal. We're hopefully making it easier. And also, I'm available for 
people to ask questions and help them through the process, whether it's a content question about the scope of their project or it's just filling out the application and all the all the things that we need to have to, to vet a project. So I would really encourage people to give me a call if they're not sure they're on the fence. And just as a reminder, where we're targeting are the four counties of Cambria, Somerset, Westmoreland, and Fayette Very counties. important. Yeah. yeah. For those who have applied in the past may notice that the process is a little bit different this year. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So as you know, Josh, because I'm always tapping into your brain on how to make this simpler, we have put the whole application process online. We purchased uh, some software that would look similar to other small funding organizations. The application is all online. It must be completed online, but it'll help you get through the process without forgetting to include any information or having to work too hard, hopefully, to figure out what we're looking for. Okay. So how does this application process work? Hopefully, we've convinced some people that it's worth pursuing. Uh, What should they do next? So part of our simplification of the process is we've put all the PEC awards and mini-grants programs on one landing page at our website. And that can be reached at pecpa.org slash apply. And uh, there you'll see all the mini-grant programs that we have Go to the bottom of the page, hit apply, and select Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape Mini Grants. And there you go. It's pretty easy. You can start it and go watch your favorite Netflix and come back, and it's all going to be there. And with any questions, email mpapernick at peckpa.org. Now, I will say, if you have questions about the technology, if something isn't working, you will contact the software folks that run this, and that's on there, too, submittable, and not me, because I won't be able to help you. Marla, thanks very much. Thanks, Josh. We'll post links for the things we talked about, including how to apply for the Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape mini-grants, as well as other mini-grants and awards programs administered by PEC at peckpa.org slash apply. We'll also post the contact information for Marla Meyer-Papernick, Program Manager for the Laurel Highlands Conservation Landscape, in the episode description. On to forest management and the Pennsylvania Forest Stewardship Program offered by DCNR through Penn State and the Center for Private Forests. PEC Reforestation Program Manager Laura England completed the training this past fall and joins us now to talk a bit more about it. Laura, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. First, set the stage by telling me a little bit about what you do for PEC in the reforestation space and then kind of how this program caught your eye, where it connects with what you do in your day job. So at PEC, I manage our reforestation program uh, where we work with the federal, state government, private landowners, and a bunch of different NGOs to reforest legacy mine lands. Often sites have been mined and have been reclaimed but are not in their optimal state. So we partner with those various groups and We work on a reforestation effort to remove exotic species and replace them with native trees. Okay, so the Forest Steward Program, what is it? How does it work? And then what what attracted you? Sure. So for quite a while, I was looking for resources to learn more about forestry. I'm thankful enough to to work with some experts in the field, but just wanted some more confidence for myself and uh, the ability to think critically when we're working on these projects. So I was kind of searching for different opportunities uh, to learn more about forestry, and I found that it's kind of difficult to find anything 
more advanced than, say, like a 101 class. Often the programs are intended for continuing education credits if you already have a forestry degree, um, and I do not, um, but was still very interested in kind of getting, really digging in and learning more. And I found a fantastic resource early on in the Center for Private Forest that's ran by PSU Extension, and I found out that they have a program called the Pennsylvania Forest Stewards. It works on the premise that there's kind of an intense training with a bunch of different experts in the classroom training as well as in the field, multiple days, and then the the ask is that you then apply what you've learned out in the world. So to connect with private forest landowners, or if you're someone like myself, you know, of course, I could apply it to my work at PEC. Connecting folks to resources and creating opportunities for them to tap into experts. It's and, and this is similar to or modeled after the like the master watersheds program that Penn State does. Yes, exactly. And the, I guess they have a gardeners program as well, master gardeners. So yeah, it's the same premise um, and same kind of format. So the Forest Stewards Program is funded by the Pennsylvania Department of Conservation Natural Resources Bureau of Forestry and the USDA Forest Service. It's administered through the Center for Private Forests at Penn State in cooperation with other government and private resource agencies. Um, And I was fortunate enough to be nominated for the program by Celine Colbert. Uh, Shout out to Celine. She is a service forester with DCNR Bureau of Forestry. I submitted my application with some resources and I was accepted. So you've got in Penn State, you have this magnificent repository of knowledge and expertise, technical, scientific, and so on. And then, and then the, the missing piece is the people that actually carry that knowledge out into the world and, and make use of it. And that's you. Who else is in your cohort? Like who participates in this program? Is it other NGO folks? Is it people that are in some stage of a career in forestry or just uh, you know private citizens, landowners? Who, who are we talking about? It was about, it was a good mix. I, I believe there were twenty four or so attendees. I believe it's designed to be intimate because it's it's really kind of hands on and intense. So in that group, there were some new homeowners that you know bought a piece of property that needed some love and attention. There were various folks that belonged to a hunting club or organized uh, various hunting clubs. Some different folks from Trout Unlimited were attending. Really a a mixed group, you know, all sharing the same interest of wanting to apply the best principles for healthy forest ecosystem. Lots of different reasons uh, for being there. Tell me more about what the program covers. Like, what did you learn? What were the biggest, most useful, most interesting takeaways for you? It was just fantastic. There were so many resources and so much to learn. I was in my glory. It was a Thursday through Sunday program starting at 630 in the morning with walks around the property. Uh, So we are at a conference center in Center County called Chrysalund. I believe it sits on about 800 acres, and some of which had saw some unsustainable timber harvesting. So the forest wasn't in the greatest shape. So it actually made for a pretty great classroom to kind of see, you know, what what you don't want to do in some cases. So yeah, we started out with forest walks in the morning. Early on, we did some plant identification, tree identification. 
We also, out in the field, did a class on measurement, which was really cool. I got a Biltmore stick, uh, which is kind of like a, a quick and dirty way to measure the, a volume of a tree. Uh, kind of, it's like a, it kind of looks like a yardstick. So we got Biltmore sticks, we got Dibble bars, <laughs> the other exactly named pieces of equipment that you've encountered. That's all I got so for far. right now. There's a, a fun little story with the Biltmore stick. The Biltmore Estate in North Carolina, I believe, was the first private residency where forest management was applied as a science. And Guilford Pinchot and another fella uh, were hired to manage the forest land on the thousands of acres that surround the Biltmore estate. And, and, sorry, and Pinchot is sort of regarded as the one of the fathers of Pennsylvania's park and forest system. Yeah, that's right. And he was with this other gentleman, I believe, last name Shank. And Shank was the one who developed the Biltmore stick for measuring uh, the volume of trees on the estate. And therefore, that's how the stick, um, the measurement tool came to be known as the Biltmore stick. So it was fantastic hands-on opportunity to kind of be a forester for a day. Mm-hmm. I trail behind a lot of foresters, but it was kind of nice to apply some some basic forestry principles. Beyond that, there was a lot of uh, classroom work as well. Different folks were invited in to, to speak on various topics. So we had a gentleman from the State Game Commission come in and talk about wildlife habitat. It's probably no surprise. In Pennsylvania, there's a lot of folks who want to manage their land for wildlife habitat, for hunting or bird watching or such. So um, we also learned a lot about invasive species and how to eradicate those, uh, as well as legacy planning. Often people come into their land by inheritance with really no desire to manage the land. So there was a class on uh, how you want to set up your land for the next generation and along those lines also kind of the legal implications of being a forest landowner. So really <laughs> everything you can imagine. Yeah. So all right, connect all of this back now to to PEC and what you do for PEC. How are you going to put this knowledge to use both in terms of when, like when you're out in the field falling around foresters, you'll understand what they're saying a little bit better. What are the other applications you're looking at? I think it's important to to say that as a forest steward I should not be regarded as an expert. I should just put those that are interested in touch with experts. So really just a kind of a walking resource. And that's I think that perfectly fits my role at PEC in our reforestation program, just trying to connect people and opportunities to the right resources and the right experts. So in my work, we do a lot of outreach to different landowners, not a whole lot of of private landowners, but in the future, we hope to do more work on private lands. But yeah, I'm, I'm constantly interfacing with people who own forests or woodlands. So it's just really an opportunity to share the bounty of resources that there are in Pennsylvania. So I did set some goals for myself. I intend to do direct outreach to uh, five private landowners just to figure out what their objectives are and to see if there's any connections that I can make for them or help to make for them. Also, would like to start a personal blog to write about the importance of native species um, and also kind of just a way to force myself to learn more about our natives. Um, I have an eye for picking up exotic species. I'm better at identifying what doesn't belong in a landscape. So I kind of want to turn that on its head and really learn more about my natives. And I figured by starting a blog, that would be a fun way um, to hold myself accountable. I also want to continue to do public speaking events where I can share my new education uh, with an audience. 
But I think the greatest benefit is just being plugged into this this network. So the forest stewards training uh, was kind of the first step, and I graduated, and I now have business cards and a hat. And, wow, that's very official. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's great. Um, but there's also a listserv with all the other forest stewards in the state. I'm now more easily connected to the various woodland groups where woodland owners come together and just share information and resources So there's just really a vast network of people that are involved in this work, and now I just feel better connected to it. And for the last two years, I've been learning as much as I can on my feet and in the field and picking up little resources here and there. At the end of this forest stewards training, I I walked away with binders of resources and more that I could have yet to digest. But, you know, I was piecemealing it together, and now all of a sudden I have just like this massive amount of information and resources. And I just feel really empowered and more confident in my work. And it was just so well organized. I can't say enough about the work. Um, Alison Muth, she was the lead on the program. And it was just so well organized, just a, a fantastic resource. Okay, so to wrap this up, I'm going to have you put on your forest steward hat, which it's good to know that there's a literal hat <laughs> that you can physically put on your head now. As a forest steward, you're a facilitator of information Facilitate some information for us here. Uh, How should people take advantage of this resource if they could benefit from a contact with a steward such as yourself, or maybe they are interested in becoming a steward? What are the next steps they should take? Sure. Well, if you're interested, please reach out to me and I'd be happy to connect you. Uh, My email address is lengland at pecpa.org. But beyond that, if you're a forest owner, every county has a service forester. They are employed by DCNR's Bureau of Forestry, and they are tasked with helping forest lands, landowners, you know, evaluate their land and make suggestions. They will come visit your home and walk your woods with you and talk about your objectives. So that's, you know, frontline boots on the ground. If you're not connected with that person, you should absolutely reach out to them. There's resources um, in a directory on DCNR's website uh, where you can find out who that person is in your county. So that would be a fantastic resource to tap into immediately. Talk to your neighbors. If you see someone that looks like they're actively managing their forest and you want to learn more, go and see what your neighbors are doing because there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help you. Well, Laura, congratulations on your new title, your new hat. Thank you for coming back on the show. Thanks so much for having me. And that's another edition of Pennsylvania Legacies in the Can. You can catch up on past episodes in Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Or you can simply go to peckpa.org, P-E-C-P-A dot O-R-G. Check out the audio room where the entire back catalog lives. The website is also where you'll find more on Peck's growing reforestation program, the Conservation Landscapes mini-grant program, and other things we talked about on today's show. Subscribe to our monthly In Case You Missed It newsletter at peckpa.org slash email sign up. That way you'll get news in your inbox every month on what's been going on at Peck and on the Peck website. You can follow us on social media, Pennsylvania Environmental Council on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at PECPA and at Policy. Be sure to check back in a couple of weeks for the next episode. Until then, for the Pennsylvania Environmental Council, I'm Josh Rollerson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.